Let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for a message that you give us. We thank you for your word, Lord, that is, is full of, of life for us. Your word is still speaking, Lord. We open this Bible and it speaks to us. And we ask, Lord God, that, that you would speak to us through the message this morning. Use me, Lord, to speak. And Lord, give us all hearing ears with what you would have to say. We want to hear your word, Lord God, your word to us this day. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, scripture this morning, I chose Amos 3.7. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his plan to his servants, the prophets. It's very interesting because we don't think too much of prophecy or prophets this, at this time. Uh, the church doesn't pay too much attention. Some churches do. Uh, some churches, you, you'll know, the, the, instead of calling a person a pastor, associate pastor, or uh, uh, whatever, they, 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 they'll name bishop and apostle and prophet. So some teachers, I mean, some some uh, churches have that as, as, a, as a station. But uh, we just don't think too much of activity of prophets in this day and age. So my message this morning is really about hearing from God what he's saying. And what is he showing us? What's he doing? And, and that's what Amos the prophet did. He heard from God in a dream or a vision or a word. And then he delivered that message to whomever the Lord sent him. And so it is with all the prophets in, in, in the word we read about. They receive a message from God and they take it to someone. God can reach us directly in a number of ways. A dream that tells us something, an incident, maybe you see something that just reveals a truth or a sudden clarity to something you were thinking about. Another way God can reach us is through another person. And that person we would call a prophet. I want to start off by giving you an example. And it's not one I read about, but it's something that actually happened to me. Years ago, when we lived in Seattle, I was owner of a real estate business and ministering in the church as an associate pastor. And I was bivocational, and I really liked being bivocational. And the pastor invited a speaker to come to the church, speaker from Scotland. And uh, this, this speaker was just getting started in a ministry, and he came to speak at the church. And I was told that he was very prophetic. Well, I've never met a prophet, but prophetic, I can understand, but uh, this remained to be seen. And so we were all gathered together, the elders and, and the pastor and, and myself, uh, uh, going out to lunch and uh, meeting him and having some time with him. And he came over to me and he said, the Lord says to you that he is going to speak to you in dreams because you're too busy during the day to listen to him <laughs> while he's awake. And uh, that kind of struck me as 
gee, I didn't know I was too busy, but I've been reminded that by my wife, that I'm not listening because I'm too busy. And uh, it's, it's uh, I look back on that and, and yeah. So he told me I was going to see something in dreams. I was going to have some dreams. And I thought about that. And, you know, I, I could have disregarded that, put it out of my mind, but I didn't. I took him at his word and I thought, well, I'll look for the dreams. And so I went to bed at night with anticipation of dreaming something. And sure enough, over the next month, three dreams came. And, and I wrote them down. When I had the dream, I, I wrote it down in the morning. And I'll even tell you what they are. The first one, I was in a, a yard uh, before a store. And it was in a, a poverty area. It, was, it reminded me of Jamaica. I've been to Jamaica and actually seen a little store, no windows. It just looked like a little government barracks. In fact, there wasn't even any door and uh, uh, no lights. Uh, and it was daytime. Children were playing and there were two dogs there. One dog was, was uh, probably a one-year-old puppy, playful, playing with the kids. And the other dog was a mean dog. And he was... He was stalking uh, this, this puppy. And, and he even made a lunge at the puppy once. And the puppy is still wanting to play with the kids, but, but this mean dog is going to attack him. And so I picked up a stick, almost like a club, and I went over to, to stand between the dogs so that the, the bad dog wouldn't get the good dog. And then that was the end of the dream. And did I know what it meant? No, but I wrote it down. And then, and then maybe a week later, maybe a couple weeks later, had another dream. And I dreamt I was going to, to uh, uh, this house, and it was, it was a perfect Halloween night, like right out of a movie. And the wind was blowing, and the moon was there, and the clouds were going by. And this house was all completely dilapidated, and it was dark outside, darker than dark. And uh, uh, the house looked like one of my favorite places of my youth was, was an aunt's house, a farmhouse. She had a little farm. Uh, but I went inside and I looked around and it, had, it was a little different inside. And I looked over and there was a dead man laying on a couch. This is a great dream for Halloween, isn't it? And uh, so I went over to see who it was. I didn't recognize him. And he was laying there dead. And then all of a sudden he jumped up just like the Halloween movie made the big scary face with the big eyes. And, uh, and I knew that I couldn't be bullied by this. I knew that I had to stay put and, and, and face this and challenge it. And so I didn't flinch. And then, and then I let him have it. <laughs> and, uh, and that was the end of the dream. He, well, actually, he just folded. Instead of being the big scary guy, he just turned into a little whimpering guy on, on, the, on the couch, and that was the end of the dream. So I didn't know what that meant. And then, then the last dream was short and interesting. I was in a, a pastor's conference, and there were a bunch of pastors there. Some of them had a Bible, some of them didn't. They were kind of crowded, standing around like you're waiting for something, a door to open or something. And uh, Everyone had a beautiful necktie on. I mean, the neckties really stood out in this dream. They had suits. Some of them didn't have a suit, but they had a, 
uh, a shirt and a necktie, white shirt and a necktie. And I was the only one that didn't. And I just had a golf shirt on and no necktie. And everybody was, was uh, very well identified as being a, a pastor uh, by their neckties. And that was the end of the dream. So it took me, I'm going to say, maybe a couple months before the Lord revealed what all this was. And uh, he was telling me that these were things I had doubts about, about being, being a full-time pastor, because he, he is calling me out of bivocational life into being a full-time pastor. And this dream was all about that. And so over a period of about, I'd say, three months, it started to all come together. And he was telling me that these areas that I had doubts, like I had doubt about stepping into a, a dangerous situation to take care of his sheep. I didn't know if I could do that. But he said I could. And a spooky night... I didn't know about facing demonic uh, situations, but he said I could do that. And then he warned me not to fit in. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's interesting, the pastor I had at the time, uh, the church was an Assemblies of God church. And uh, I happened to notice that there was a men's conference. And I thought, why don't we why don't we go to the men's conference? We've never done that before. And uh, he, said, uh, he said something to the effect, I don't know if I should even say it, but he said, those are just a bunch of uh, pot-bellied preachers with big Bibles, <laughs> and I don't want us to get involved in that. So he was saying, too, to, to remain out, out of conformity, to, in essence, be a nonconformist, be alone with the Holy Spirit. And he really says that to all of us, not to get carried away in, in something that we belong to, but always listen to the Holy Spirit. And so, to this day, I don't wear a necktie. <laughs> So this man was a, that had given me this word was a picture of the prophets that God was talking about in the word in Ephesians 4.11. He talks about gifts to the church. And that's the fivefold ministries. The fivefold ministries. And I'm sure you've probably heard sermons on it. And God gives us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And that ministry to the church uh, fills out what, what God's doing, the hand working in the church. And prophets is listed as number two. But I'd never really met one. But this, this man seemed to be one. He told me something. It came true. It was a message from God. And I had, a, I had an opportunity to, to disregard it or accept it. And he had an opportunity to, to disregard it and not give it to me. And that's all about what a prophet does. 
The gift of prophecy is listed in, in Romans and Corinthians. I'm going to read a section here. It says, Paul says this to us about this gift, prophecy. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities, special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. One who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. One who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you all could prophesy. That's quite a thing. I wish you all could prophesy. But yet he's saying the gift to the church is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He doesn't say he wished we could all be pastors. And he's not really saying that he's wishing we could all be prophets. He's saying he wished we could all prophesy. So what's the difference? Why would Paul tell us, I wish you could all prophesy if it wasn't possible? He isn't suggesting we'd be prophets like Amos and Elijah, Elisha and all the others. But this man that, that, that gave me the word, Alan is his name, he, uh, I asked him what he did as a prophet because you can't go do a, your homework because you don't know where the Lord's going to send you, what he's going to do. Uh, so he said he does his homework. He says every day he prays at least two hours. At least two hours he spends solid in prayer. And then uh, he spends at least that much more time going through scripture. And in prayer, he believes God's going to give him the scriptures he needs for the day or the week. And he fasts and he memorizes scripture. But above all, he has a passion to, for God's people to, to connect with the Holy Spirit and give God's people the, the, the knowledge, the wisdom that they need to fulfill their calling. Prophecies to edify the church. And what that means is everybody here in, in this church here at Shiloh and all our brothers and sisters that we run into at Bible studies or grocery store, uh, those, those are the people that need to be edified. We all need to be edified. So how do we do that? 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So the word says that you can do it. Before going any further, let's take another look at the definition of a prophet. He's a spokesman for God. He speaks in God's, he speaks in God's name and by God's authority. Exodus 7, 1 says, He is the mouth by which God speaks to men. He foretells future events, but that's not all. That's kind of rare. And the Bible is full of, of prophets that foretold future events. And I might add that, that their prophecies are still at work. The, the final days 
that are upon us are prophesied by many prophets. In fact, the whole Old Testament, Jesus said that, that all the books of Moses are about him. All the prophets spoke about him. So this book is filled with prophecy that's, prophecy that's still at work. I don't know that we need to add that, but he said he'd, he'd do nothing without telling his saints through prophets. So in this day and age, there are people that are talking about the last days. Now, nobody knows the, the day or the hour, but you're hearing a lot more talk. It's, it's prophetic talk that's coming up and, and saying that, that, that we're, we're right there and we need to pay attention. So there's a, a general application for this definition of prophet, one who takes a message from God and gives it to someone. And it's that all who have a message, all can pick up a message from God and give it to someone. And the first step in doing that, and this is for each of us, first, pray and ask the Holy Spirit for a message. And when you pray, and you, you pray through the scriptures, you look at the scriptures, and during your studies, pray and, and just set it in your mind. Say, Lord, uh, bring me through some scriptures that I can share with somebody that's going to lift them up. It's going to help them in their, in their walk. Uh, it's going to do something. The word I got was life-changing. Sometimes it's just to, uh, to give somebody uh, a, new, a new look at the day. Uh, sometimes it is to change a life, and we don't know how the impact of it, because when we give the word, the word goes to work. The word goes to work and, and does, does its thing. So we pray, so we read the scriptures. We may not hear anything from God about this is what you're going to do or anything, but we filled ourselves with, with uh, uh, two things. We've let God know that we're available, and we've filled our, 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 our self, our hands, our whatever with the message. And the third thing is we have to step out with the Holy Spirit with the expectation that he's going to use us. If we don't do that, we don't get used. I'll give you a personal example. Years ago, uh, when I worked in Seattle, worked downtown in a, in a big office building, and uh, after work, there was a Bible study at uh, First Presbyterian Church, Bible Study Fellowship, if any of you are familiar with that. And in Seattle, it was, it was a big deal at those times. This was in, I think, the 80s early 80s, and I had to walk about 10 blocks from the office building up a hill to the big church, first, first press, and there were about 600 men in this Bible study, pretty good size, and uh, they'd break up into small groups the way it goes, but on the way up there, it was such a long walk, I was thinking, now I have to walk all the way up to the church, and, and I thought, you know, I wonder if the Lord would, uh, would let me talk to somebody on the way up, uh, give, them, give them a word. 
uh, just encourage them, introduce them to the Lord, maybe. And I'd never done that before, and I've, I've spent many times taking that walk. And so I did it that one time, not a big deal, uh, but uh, started walking, and I was about halfway, and sure enough, I ran into somebody. And uh, he just looked like somebody wanted to, to, to talk, and uh, I looked at him, he looked at me, and he said hi, and I said hi, and, and then, uh, then the conversation started. And talked a little bit about the Lord, I don't think he knew the Lord, and then went on my way, and I thought, how easy was that? How easy was that? Just because I made myself available. All those times I'd taken that walk, and nothing happened, but just a simple thing. I know you don't feel like that when you go to Walmart, but give it a try. The Bible has something else to say about prophecy, false prophets, and your pastor is aware of false prophets, and he's, he's watching. Every pastor watches for false prophets. And the Old Testament, they always seem to outnumber God's prophets. And I'm thinking of uh, Elijah's famous showdown on Mount Carmel, if you remember that. And it was one prophet of God worth against 850 prophets, false prophets. Uh, 400 were prophets of Asherah, and 450 were prophets of Baal. And they were all uh, uh, in with Jezebel. So look at the prophet of God, what a tough job he had. But we know the story, and God prevailed through that prophet. Paul warned the church 2,000 years ago of false prophets, and the same warning holds true today. It's no different. There's false prophets that bring messages of fear and messages of false doctrine and every other evil work. If you're wondering where they are, you can just listen to the news at night. So we are aware of false prophets. So how do we stay protected? Psalm 23. Psalm 23 tells us. Psalm 23 starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. That you have to hang on to. Because all the rest depends on grasping that first phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. And then it goes on, I shall not want. He takes me to green pastures, still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness. And even through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to worry because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And then he sets a table before me. He anoints my head with oil. He has my cup overflowing, and then the promise of everlasting life with him. All that 23rd Psalm, he requires nothing of us. It's all in the first phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. If the first phrase isn't yours, the rest of the Psalm isn't either. But if, you're, if he is your shepherd, then the rest of the Psalm is yours. And that's the way we stay away from these false prophets is stay close to the Lord, close to scripture, pray, talk to the Lord. It's a relationship with 
the shepherd. And if you think of a flock, we're on a getting close. I'm seeing a few of you raise your hands here. <laughs> but if, if we think of, of uh, uh, the shepherd leading us, our flock, Reformed Church here at Shiloh, and the pastor is leading us. He's, he's got his uh, stick with a little Shiloh Reformed Church here, and everybody's got their T-shirt, and we're all going together with all these other flocks on the narrow path. And he's leading us through everything, even the valley of the shadow of death we have to go through. And all along the sides are the jackals, the wolves, and the cougars, and those are the false prophets that we have to watch out for, and they're trying to coax us out of of, of the group. They're trying to coax us out of the flock and, and deceive us. Uh, just, like, just like Adam was deceived. He was coaxed out of the garden, basically, out of the blessing. And so we have to hang close to the shepherd. And that 23rd Psalm is something that I recite every day. And I recite it for two reasons. One, the Bible says that when you speak the word, when you pray the word, speak the word, pray the word, that he has angels that are just waiting for us to do that so they can take hold of it and bring that word to fruition because his word never returns void. And the other is it's a declaration. When, when you declare that verbally, voice, then the devil's got to hear it. And uh, I just like to give him a headache first thing in the morning every day. So I, I recite the Lord's Prayer and I recite the 23rd Psalm. The Bible tells us about prophecy in the last days. Acts 2, 17 through 18. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maid, men servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. So this passage is about now, right around the corner, right around the corner. Because we're part of that doorstep to the last days. And the big hand is on the little hand and they're both aiming at 12. And the big shofar, God is taking out of his case. He's getting ready to sound it. So we here and the other believers, our sons and daughters, the young and old men, the main men servants and the maid servants, us, we're being called here to prophesy. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. Lord, your word is food for us. It enables us to, to be strong, to grow in strength and to be drawn closer to you. We thank you for your word today, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that, that this word that you've given us would, would, would stay inside of us, Lord, and be at work, be at work in us, that we may serve you all the more. We give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.